Good morning, Rise in Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Glad to have you here. Today is November the 9th, 2023, and we're glad and thankful to have you here. How's everybody feeling today? Oh, I know why you're in a good mood. The debate last night. Oh boy, get you some, get you some. Dream of Vivekification last night. Vivek Ramaswamy absolutely murdered him, killed him on the stage. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. And Vivek was laying it down thick last night. We're going to talk about that this morning. I've got some of the absolute best clips from the show this morning. Not everybody was a winner in the debate last night, but it was so weird to read the Hill.com saying Vivek was a loser in last no, night's debate. God. They were like, no. No, God, please, no. Terrible. No. Well, you know how much no! we love the mainstream no! media. Didn't you love seeing Vivek calling out the mainstream media, by the way, to their face during the debate last night? Oh, well, you missed it? Guess what? I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty. I've got like a billion clips to play today. Hope I can get through them all. It's only a two-hour show. And I've got lots of great guests and some other topics as well. Joining me today at 7.30 a.m. for her very first time on the show, Jill Jacobson is going to be joining us. Come on, Thirsty Thursdays. Uh, Jill Jacobson's Joyce. She's a third-year law student at Boston College Law School. She's got a master's in international affairs. She's going to talk to us about reporters, mainstream media reporters, as if they weren't bad enough. A report that came out showed that many mainstream media reporters may have been with Hamas on October the 7th, which leads one to wonder, did they know about the attack ahead of time? Jill's also going to comment about why she's not surprised that law students uh, are, uh, are pro-Hamas. We're going to talk about that at 7.30 a.m., with our friend Jill Jacobson, who'll be joining us for the first time today on the show. Looking forward to that. And of course, since it's Thirsty Thursday, we wouldn't be thirsty if it wasn't Camelia Peterson going to be joining us today. Aren't we all excited about that? Oh my God, Camelia. Everybody loves a crush on Camelia. She'll be joining us at eight o'clock uh, today to give her debate reaction. She hosted a debate night party last night, so she might be a little droopy in one eye. A little bit tough to tell which one, though. Camille is going to join us at 8 a.m. today. It's going to be a fun show. At 8.35 a.m. today, we're going to speak to Daniela Pensack. Speaking of Thursday, Thursday. Oh, my God. It's the Wake Up America show. It's so good. Daniela Pensack is going to join us to talk about why Mr. Beast is getting so much crap about digging water wells in Africa. Mr. Beast, you know, the most popular YouTuber in the world, goes out and he digs water wells, literally gives children in Africa the ability to get access to clean water and he gets hate for it. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with these children? We're gonna talk about that as well as this story that kind of was insane. We've got like a new meme template, I'm guessing, from this guy. Uh, a, an American man who was down in South America actually shot and killed climate protesters who were blocking the road, eco-protesters in Panama. An American lawyer gunned down two eco-protesters who were blocking the highway in a shocking video. I mean, no, listen, no, don't, don't celebrate. Listen, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I condone it. I'm, I'm just saying I, I understand How it. How dare you? Shut up, Greta. Okay, if you're just tuning in the Wake Up America show, what are you doing? You haven't clicked like yet? You gotta click like. And of course, if you enjoy the content today, don't forget to subscribe to the channel so you can come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. 
here on the Wake Up America show. It's a great way to start your day and for us to get what's going on. The best part of waking up, founding flavors in your cup. All right, so you guys ready? Hmm, you ready for the big stuff? You ready for the clips? Oh no, should we go to commercial break? Instead, we'll do a I want to go to clips. All right, I'll stop being such a tease. All right, take a listen. Here is the defining moment from the debate last night, and you would be able to watch it if I had actually set up the Chrome browser correctly so that you could actually watch it. Instead, uh, what I've done is I've destroyed my ability to look awesome here for you right now, and uh, I have to do this live in real time. So here we go, the moment of the debate. Buggity-bee, buggity-boo, buggity-bee, buggity-boo, the moment of the debate. Here it is. Not the former president. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Oh, look at this smile on your face. Dude, dude, that was it. He started the debate and he ended the debate. I just, oh. All right, show's over, everybody. Go home. Um, All right, there's a lot to unpack there, right? He nukes the mainstream media to their face, right? She she makes this face. Where's where's the face? Where's the mainstream media face here? Hold on, where's she at? Mm, Look at that. You can tell she's got like that stretched on face, you know, in order to cover the reptile face. She's got the this face is like the, that fake smile that she's got going on. She just called out. Look at this. There, there's a guy in the back. Look at this guy right here. <laughs> it reminds me of that clip. I think it was from Survivor or it was some other show where it's like everybody's like, no, they're making these faces. There's some meme template. It's kind of an old, older meme, sir, but it checks out where uh, it, I think it's from Survivor. And it shows these two girls who are like horrified and grossed out. And then there's the guy in the back who's like, Yee. you could tell. And look at the women. You could just see it, even though they're blurred out. Look at their mouths. Look how open their mouths are. I mean, it's just like, oh, 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 oh. so he calls out the mainstream media. He calls out Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman of the GOP, to her face, invites her to come up and to resign on stage. And I'm like, stop it. I can't take it. She's already dead. Savage. Uh, Andy Opperman over on the Rumble chat says, now that goes to a thirsty place in my soul. Yes, good. Well, it's Thirsty Thursday. And we're about to quench your thirst today with the absolute best show. Make sure that you click that like button, subscribe. Don't forget, too, you can have your voice heard on the show. I can't always monitor the chat. Sometimes the comments fly by. You'll have to send us a text at 573 319-1586. Again, you can text the show anytime, night or day, 
Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. We'd be glad to hear your thoughts and to share them on the show if you would like. Again, one last time, that phone number is 573-319-1586. All right, can we listen to that just one more time and just savor in the greatness and I'll shut up, I won't react. I'm just going to sit here, stone-faced, silent, and let you enjoy the happening. Not the former president. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I love it. I'm reading news last night from Cassandra Fairbanks. She shared this article from Tim Cast where she says uh, that Ron McDaniel was overheard trashing Vivek, Vivek in the debate audience saying he won't get a cent from us. He's an a-hole, a total a-hole. And Grant Sunnyman says, I love how Josie called it that media would try to propagate that Haley would win. Vivek clearly won last night. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm looking at the hill.com this morning. You don't get much more establishment than the Hill. And they say, here's the winners and losers from the third Republican debate. Winners, Nikki Haley. <laughs> what? <laughs> winners, Ron DeSantis. Okay, maybe. Um, Donald Trump. Okay, probably, yes. I actually think that it was a good thing that Trump wasn't at the debate because he, he always sucks the oxygen out of the room. And honestly, I've, I think that it was good to hear from the other candidates as well to see who might be future leaders of the Republican Party. And they say the winner, The Hill says that the winner is NBC News and its moderators. What debate were they watching last night? <laughs> Stop pausing it, damn it, AP. No, I played it, I played the whole thing. That's what it is, you got it. Uh, mixed, The Hill says, Chris Christie, losers Vivek Ramaswamy. Like, what are you talking about? How dare you? They say Ramaswamy's two most memorable moments of the night were both bad ones for him. The attack on Haley's daughter was the worst of all, playing into the existing negative perceptions of the businessman as obnoxious and sometimes nasty opportunists. You know, the funny thing about these attacks on Vivek is that they remind me, they echo all the same attacks that were made against me when I ran for president as well. The same attacks that they leveled at Vivek Ramaswamy, the ones they, they labeled at me. So basically when people see competence, especially leftist socialist types, uh, or, or like left libertarians or obnoxious ANCAPs, they, when they see someone who is perceived as being too mainstream, right, having people skills, like being appealing to normal people, 
uh, or, or being you know, confident in yourself, right? Having a healthy sense of ego. They hate that. They want to destroy that. They don't like the, it's what's that Taylor Swift quote? People throw rocks at things that are shiny. So they say, so the, the Hill says that Vivek Ramaswamy is a loser of the debate. And then they also put Tim Scott on there, which, you know, Tim Scott, what is he doing there? Right. He, I mean, sure. I'm sure he's fine, but Tim Scott ain't going to be president of the United States. And frankly, I think it's a waste of time. You guys ready to move on to some more clips? All right, let's go to next. Where I think another great moment from Vivek where he calls out Joe Biden to his face, looks right in the camera. I love this. Watch, listen. I also want to close with one message to the Democrat Party. End this farce that Joe Biden is going to be your nominee. We know he's not even the president of the United States. He's a puppet for the managerial class. So have the guts to step up and be honest about who you're actually going to put up so we can have an honest debate. Biden should step aside, end his candidacy now so we can see whether it's Newsom or Michelle Obama or whoever else. All right, Just Mr. tell Mr. us the Swami, truth so we can have an honest debate. Break it up. It's delicious. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Glad to have you here. Click that like button. Subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. One listener is uh, texting in, says, I think Vivek's ripping of Ron McDaniel is his way of criticizing Trump, says Pete. That's an interesting POV. And Pete, that's your first time texting us today. We're glad to have your texts and appreciate your points of view. If you'd like to have your voice heard just like Pete, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Foreign policy was a big touch point last night in the debate. Take a listen to this. Swami, are you persuaded by President Zelensky's urgent new plea? Where do you stand on more funding? I'm absolutely unpersuaded. And I'm actually enjoying watching the Ukraine hawks quietly, delicately tiptoe back from their position as this thing has unwound into a disaster. The first half of this race, I was the only person standing for it. Now they're actually quietly coming around to being more cautious as they should. Level with the American people here. Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy. This is a country that has banned 11 opposition parties. It has consolidated all media into one state TV media arm. That's not democratic. It has threatened not to hold elections this year unless the U.S. forks over more money. That is not democratic. It has celebrated a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, a man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. That is not democratic. More facts for you that you won't hear from the mainstream in either party or the mainstream media. The regions of Ukraine that are occupied by Russia right now in the Donbass, Luhansk, Donetsk, these are Russian-speaking regions that have not even been part of Ukraine since 2014, that other people probably couldn't name those provinces for you. Those are the hard facts. And so to frame this as some kind of battle between good versus evil, don't buy it. And I'd like the likes of the, the sharpest of the war hawks on Ukraine, Nikki Haley, to have some accountability and answer. Do you want to use U.S. taxpayer money to fund the banning of Christians? That is actually what's happening. They're using the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. They have banned them. The Ukrainian parliament just did this last week, supported by our dollars. And I think you owe it to the American people, Nikki, to at least this Mr. one time Ramaswamy, at least condemn, thank you. That's time. At least Mr. Ramaswamy, their thank banning you. of Christians. Mr. Ramaswamy, thank you. Out of both sides Mr. Ramaswamy, thank you. We asked the questions. Ambassador Bro. Haley, what is your take on 
more funding. Oh, bro, give it up for Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy. All right, now, Ron DeSantis had a nice moment last night. I have to completely agree with him there. Take a listen to what Ron DeSantis has to say about the Federal Reserve. Breathing room, and I'm also going to rein in the Federal Reserve. They have helped create, uh, with their reckless monetary policy, what we have faced since the COVID-19 pandemic. They botched nice. it. Congress botched it. Both parties are to blame. Fed should focus on stable prices. They are not an economic central planner for the American people. Governor, thank you. Oh, nice moment there from Ron DeSantis. Uh, answers that we would have accepted as well as that would be uh, to end the Federal Reserve System. Am I right or am I right? <laughs> Things like that, of course, will get you put on a list. And get you in big trouble these days. But I got to give it up to Ron DeSantis. I think the, uh, that the criticism of the Federal Reserve is highly warranted. It was another nice moment last night where they were talking about student visas, the DeSantis approach versus Vivek. Take a listen. I was the first presidential candidate to say, if you are here on a student visa as a foreign national, you're making common cause with Hamas. I'm canceling your visa and I'm sending you home. No questions asked. Second, I have friends here in Florida who their kids do not feel safe even going to university campus at all outside of the state of Florida. You have Jewish students fleeing for their lives at Cooper Union. Joe Biden should have the Department of Justice on these college campuses and holding the universities accountable for civil rights violations. When you have, you should not have money going to these places. I already acted in Florida. We had a group, Students for Justice of Palestine. They said they are common cause with Hamas. They said, we're not just in solidarity. This is what we are. We deactivated them. We're not going to use take tax dollars to fund jihad. No way. And what is Biden doing? Not only is he not helping the Jewish students who are being persecuted, he is launching an initiative to combat so-called Islamophobia. No, it's the anti-Semitism that's spiraling out of control. Right. That is what we have to confront. And as president, I can tell you this, we are not going to stand for this on college campuses any longer. Boy, that's going to be an interesting topic. What do you think about his response to that? I'd love to hear your thoughts. We're actually going to hear from Jill Jacobson, my first guest on the program today at 7.30 a.m. Central Time. And it's going to be her very first appearance on the Wake Up America show. I'll look forward to hearing her thoughts on that topic. She's, been, she's going to talk a little bit about some of the danger posed to Jewish students on college campuses around the country and why she's not surprised that law students are in support of Hamas. And she's also going to talk a little bit about Hamas apparently had mainstream media reporters from the United States embedded with them on October 7th. You aren't going to want to miss Jill Jacobson coming up here in about 12 minutes from now, 10, 10 to 12 minutes from now, we'll hear from her. Uh, let's hear from Vivek Ramaswamy though last night. In my opinion, the clear winner of the debate going after Nikki Haley. Take a listen. Daylight between you and the candidates we just heard in this issue on, on what you would tell the prime minister? Not in terms of what I would tell the prime minister, no. In fact, I would go one step further. The founding vision of Israel was based on the idea that they don't want to depend on anybody else's sympathy or direction in defending themselves. So what I would tell Bibi is that Israel has the right and the responsibility to defend itself. I would tell him to smoke those terrorists on his southern border. And then I'll tell him as president of the United States, I'll be smoking the terrorists on our southern border. That's his responsibility. This is our responsibility. That's how we move forward. But I want to be careful to avoid making the mistakes from the neocon establishment of the past. Corrupt politicians in both parties spent trillions 
killed millions, made billions for themselves in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, fighting wars. I love that Vivek Ramaswamy basically takes the exact same positions that I have when it comes to Israel and their right to kill terrorists. And yet I get raked over the coals by libertarians for it. And the libertarians last night that I could see were on Twitter that were like, that were the ones that were attacking me over being pro-Israel and saying the same things Vivek is saying here. Or we're like, oh, Vivek, oh, Vivek. You know, I mean, it's all about just cool kid politics these days. It's not about actual principles. That sent thousands of our sons and daughters, people my age, to die in wars that did not advance anyone's interests. Amen. Seven trillion dollars to our national debt. And Joe Biden sold off our foreign policy. Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, got a $5 million bribe from Ukraine. That's why we're sending $200 billion back to that same country. The fact of the matter is the Republican Party is not that much better. You have the likes of Nikki Haley, who stepped down from her time at the U.N., bankrupt or in debt as was her family. Then she becomes a military contractor. She joins the board of Boeing and otherwise and is now a multimillionaire. So I think that that's wrong when Republicans do it or Democrats do it. Whoa. That's the choice we face. Bro, bro. Just called her out for being a pawn of the military industrial complex. I mean, Nikki Haley's face says it all. No, she's inside, God. she's like, No, God, please, no, 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 no. She's hating it. She's hating it. He's creaming her. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first? Or do you want Dick Cheney in three inch heels? I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead. Do you want Dick Cheney in three inch heels? Jesus, that is. How dare you? Nikki Haley's got to be hating him right now. She called him human scum last night. Uh, on the question of free speech on college campuses, Vivek Ramaswamy has a little bit of a different take than Ron DeSantis. Well, let's hear what he had to say about that last night. Dilute this wokeism and anti-Semitism to irrelevance. These kids, they have no idea what the heck they're even talking about when they're siding with Hamas over Israel. They are fools. But I also want to caution here, if we go the direction of Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, with whom I respectfully disagree on this issue, pro-censorship, telling student groups to disband, mark my words, Soon they will say if you question a vaccine and its side effects, you're a bioterrorist. Soon they will say that if you show up at a school board meeting, you're a domestic terrorist. Soon if they say that J6 prisoners should be released, you're an insurrectionist terrorist. So that's where this road ends. We don't quash this with censorship because that creates a worse underbelly. We quell it through leadership by calling it out. These university administrators have lost their way, and we need leadership at the top in the United States of America that restores our founding values and that has no place for. Okay. However, I don't think that there's anything necessarily anti-libertarian about pulling funding from universities that condone these students, because pulling funding from universities is something a libertarian would do regardless of the reason for it being done. So. Leftists would never admit, would never defund a university, a public university. And, and so in my view, how we get there, it doesn't matter. It's just that we need to get there. If Ron DeSantis wants to pull money from public universities for such and such reason, and I want to pull public funding from universities because I think they're hotbeds of communism or, or what have you, it doesn't matter. In the end, we want to pull our public funds, our stolen tax dollars from them, and how we get there, I don't know that it necessarily matters, right? But I agree with Vivek on the question of free speech being an absolute. But if we're talking about defunding people, defunding universities, I agree with that. If we're talking about canceling student visas, that I'm not sure of, because if you're a foreign student here on a visa, 
you're not an American citizen, and I don't know that there's an obligation to allow you to come here and support terror groups. As a matter of fact, I think one of my, one of probably my dissensions with uh, some libertarians on the immigration question in regards to the security question, uh, a couple of weeks ago when I had Judge Napolitano on the show, we were talking about immigration policy, and I asked the judge, I said, and, and the judge is, you know, pro-open borders, I asked the judge, I said, judge, if a person has is a, a part of a foreign terror group, like if someone is an actual member of Hamas and they want to come to the United States and they're intent on carrying out actual crimes of terrorism, let's say they have actually committed terrorism in other countries, do you think they should be allowed to come here? I was flabbergasted. He said, yes. I'm like, okay, well, then I just I disagree with that. I, I don't think that there's a free speech right to come to the United States and commit acts of terrorism, especially if you've actually committed acts of terrorism in the other country. That makes no sense to me. So yes, free speech, but you don't get to come to the United States after committing acts of terror and being a part of a terrorist group and then say, oh, well, it's free speech. I'm going to come here and, you know, learn how to fly a plane, not how to land a plane and blow up your buildings. If you're intent on doing violence in the United States, no, you don't have a right to be here. And so I disagree with with people on that view. But let's continue. This kind of anti-Semitic oh, hate. Uh, Jill Jacobson's coming up next. Okay, so she's going to answer this question about students and visas. She's going to talk to us about reporters being embedded with Hamas. She's going to talk to us about um, why law students are pro-Hamas on, on campuses. we got a lot to talk about. When we get back, don't go away on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. Rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. How are you feeling today? Today is Thursday, November the 9th, 2023. Glad to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. If today's your first time watching this show, we'd love to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday. The Wake Up America show streams live 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Great way to start your day. Make some new friends and learn about freedom, which is what we're all about. Economic freedom and personal liberty. That's what we fight for five days a week. And we sometimes take the weekends off. Okay. All right. Well, there's a lot to talk about last night. We were just having a conversation about the debate and we will get back to that. Camelia Peterson is going to join us at 8 a.m. Central Time to give her reaction to the Republican Party debates tonight. But a couple of other stories that were catching my eye and definitely one that was related to the debate last night that, of course, that conversation about students here in the United States who might have their visas canceled for being pro-Hamas, at least that's what Ron DeSantis says. Vivek Ramaswamy, he disagrees. But here's the thing, why are so many law students here in the United States so pro-Hamas? I don't get it. So you know what, I need an expert to come in and join me on this one who wrote a piece about that. Jill Jacobson is a third year law student at Boston College Law School. She holds a master's in international affairs from Northeast University, Northeastern University. She's also a contributor at Young Voices, and she's joining us live for her first time on the show this morning. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here, Jill. Thanks for getting up so early and joining the audience here. So you wrote a piece, uh, and the premise is that you're not surprised that so many law students are pro-Hamas. I'm surprised. Why are you not surprised? Yeah, unfortunately, I think this is the culmination of a trend that we've been seeing in academia for a long time, which is that binary thinking now is the orthodoxy in much of academia. Students are taught to view real world scenarios as oppressed and oppressor, as the victim and the perpetrator, irrespective of a lot of the nuance and actual dynamics on the ground. 
And I think we're seeing that translate to American students viewing Israel as the oppressor and viewing Palestine and, and by proxy Hamas as the oppressed, which really does not reflect the nuanced history of the situation. Similarly, the colonization narrative follows a very similar pattern where Israel is viewed as the colonizer and the Palestinians are viewed as the colonized. And through that logic, they think whatever means are necessary to justify the ends that they see fit um, are proper, irrespective of the horrendous violence and, and the moral gravity of the situation. So if someone were to say that Israel are colonizers, what would be an appropriate response to something like that? Yeah, it's sort of interesting because Jews are the indigenous people of that region. So they pick a very narrow time period that furthers their argument uh, through which to make that argument. And it's interesting because there's now a racial dynamic too. never before in history have Jews been considered white. And now all of a sudden on college campuses, you're seeing these white settler colonialist narratives, which is interesting because there are very few, if any, historians that would agree with with the swaths of college students that are now making that argument. Well, it's a it's a complicated issue. And most people don't understand the difference between race, ethnicity and religion. Right. White is a race. Judaism is both an ethnicity and a um and a religion. So people get these things confused because they associate race with ethnicity and with religion. But in the case of Jews, most people being not Jewish don't understand them because, you know, they're an ancient and very mysterious uh, uh, ethnicity and religion that most people don't, you know, if you're not a part of the community, it's easy to get these things misunderstood. And, you know, alternatively, Right there, the conflict with the Palestinians is one of I would call it a clash of civilizations. Right, this is, in my opinion, I see this as a as no different than any other clash of civilizations that have occurred, uh, and that the roots of this go back thousands of years and are tied not just to questions of race, which is less important, I think, than the religious questions and the ethnic questions, even more so perhaps than the private property questions, but. Even if you look at it from a private property question, when the Zionists settled it, they bought the land, which from my perspective, it's not even quasi-libertarian, it's full-blown libertarian. What's your big picture take on this, Jill? Yeah, I think there are a lot of factors such as that one that are completely obscured from the equation, one of which is that Israel left the Gaza Strip in 2005, right? So this occupation that is being protested all throughout college campuses has actually not been an occupation in its traditional sense for a very, very long time. The Israelis left the region. And so to hear these protests that are really devoid of historical or foreign policy accuracy is really scary for the state of American academia, particularly given the fervor with which some of these students are, are so convinced that their position is, is correct when it's not supported by the facts on the ground. When you hear um, Ron DeSantis coming out and saying that we're going to cancel the visas of some of these students and send them back to their country, I'm not entirely opposed to that. Some people say, well, this is a free speech question here with students in the, in the United States. But I don't know that there's a right to come to the United States and openly support known terror groups. I mean, what are your thoughts on this just from a you know, 10,000 feet perspective? 
Yeah, certainly. I think the fact that Hamas is so integrated in the politics of Palestine makes this question more difficult, right? If it was a traditional terrorist group that had no political infiltration at all, uh, that would be a very easy question, I think, which is that supporting terrorism that wishes, you know, the destruction of the West, particularly our country, should not guarantee you citizenship that is wanted by so many people. That being said, I think on the free speech issue, it's complicated, right? Because you can provide a nuanced foreign relations take on the issue between Israel and Palestine. That is more than protected and I think should be encouraged, right? We should be talking about the ramifications of this issue. But supporting the means to justify those ends, supporting blatant terrorism, that uh, should not be tolerated. I mean, there are American hostages irrespective of how you feel about Israel and Palestine, from American perspective, when Hamas wishes, you know, the destruction of the West and is very open about that, that is not something that should be tolerated, let alone fostered in our, you know, educational institution. You're just tuning into the Wake Up America show. Good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Glad to have you here. Click that like and subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. If you have a question for my current guest, you can text the show at 573-319-1586. Again, text lines are open at 573-319-1586. I'm speaking to Jill Jacobson. She's a third-year law student at Boston College Law School, and she holds a master's in international affairs from Northeastern University. She wrote a piece in the New York Post saying that she's not surprised that campuses are pro-Hamas. Speaking of pro-Hamas, this was a big news story yesterday. It was such a massive story, Jill, that the original article that dropped this bombshell, the, the website just got destroyed. I couldn't even access the main page. I had to read it from people who were cribbing the notes from the original article. This is a report that reporters from the AP, CNN, New York Times, and Reuters were allegedly with Hamas on October 7th. Did you read this story? And if so, what are your thoughts? I did read this. I think, you know, as a threshold matter, we're definitely waiting for confirmation uh, of the accuracy at this point. And I think it's important to note that a lot of major media outlets use independent contractors on the ground because they just don't have the sheer infrastructure to be everywhere all the time, right? That being said, I think this sort of underscores the point that Hamas lands more so on the side of terror organizations than they do on legitimate sort of quasi-state actors, right? Because terrorists like to publicize their atrocities. They don't try to hide them. Their goal is to instill fear and radicalize people towards their cause. And part and parcel to that is getting the word out about the horrible things that they're doing and why they're doing them. So I think, if anything, the fact that these people were there covering it right alongside Hamas fighters that were using GoPros, live streaming these atrocities on Facebook, posting them on TikTok, right? This all sort of supports that narrative that they are not freedom fighters. They are trying to radicalize and scare people, uh, which is really, really scary. You might not take as an extreme position as I do on the question of the mainstream media in the United States being uh, on the side of the terrorists on this one, but would you even approach uh, that kind of uh, of a position? 
given the evidence that we have now and the way that sort of media contractors work, I would not. Do I think it's likely that there are people in the area who were very close that are friendly to Hamas? Yes, I think that is probably the case, right? Many people in that region are very friendly to Hamas for a whole host of reasons, some ideological, some self-serving, and, and we don't know what those reasons are right now. So I think it's probably the case that those individual contributors are. Uh, as far as the institutions as a whole, though, I, I don't think I could speak to that. What do you think about the um, the take of the law students who signed the open letter in favor of Palestine that like the week after the attacks on October 7th? What do you what do you think about the take that those students should be precluded from being able to take jobs at prestigious law firms? Do you think that that's an appropriate punishment? Yeah, I think some people are coming out and saying this is cancel culture. You're punishing these students for their political beliefs. I don't necessarily see it that way, right? If you want to work at a white shoe law firm, you need to have excellent critical thinking skills. You need to be able to embody the position of your opponent and have empathy and be intellectually curious. And I don't think that these statements, given the content and the timing, reflect any of those skills. So if I was a private employer, no, the skills reflected by the signatories of these statements are not skills that I would want in my employees. I can I can assure you that. For sure. Jill Jacobson, is there anything else on this topic that you think is important that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think a lot of us inside of academia have been pleading with the outside world to sort of wake up and see the craziness that is going on in some of our classrooms. and. For a long time, people sort of brushed it aside. And I think now marks a big turning point where people are getting inside look to the real damage that some of these ideologies and lack of free thought and debate can cause. So this is a really, really atrocious situation, but I hope that we take the response and learn from it and, and correct course so that it doesn't happen again. Jill Jacobson, where can people find out more about your work online? Yeah, I'm Jill C. Jacobson on Twitter, and I post my articles on there. There you go, Jill C. Jacobson on Twitter. I just followed her this morning, so why don't you do the same? And do us a favor for the moderators over there in the chat. Drop her, uh, her Twitter uh, link as well so people can go and follow her and learn more about her ideas. Jill, great job today. Thanks for being so generous with your time and getting up so early and joining us here on the show today. We hope you come back soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. That's Jill C. Jacobson. What did you think? I thought she did a terrific job as well. Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. The text lines are open night or day. You can text the show anytime you want. Uh, basically, I check those text messages in the evening. Sometimes people are sending us text messages, asking us questions about things that are in the shop. For example, over at ap4libertyshop.com, we have delicious founding flavors coffee. I'm so proud of the work that my wife and I have done this year to establish not only the Wake Up America show as a premier morning talk show for you, but also our merchandise shop, which I think is really doing a great job at serving the American public. Not only do we have awesome merchandise like Don't Tread on Me shirts and really cool, you know, AK-47 keychains and things, but the coffee brand that we bring to the American people is ultra premium. If you're a coffee lover, this is the coffee for you. If you're kind of eh on coffee and you'll just drink whatever, then we might not be the brand for you. We're a little bit pricier than your Folgers brand, for example. 
but we're a little bit less pricey than most of the super premium brands that you see out there on the market. And we also offer excellent discounts. If you buy more than one bag, there's a bundles page over at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. If you head over there today, get yourself a bag of founding flavors. If you buy two or three, go to the bundles page and make sure that you add it up. You can choose ground, you can choose whole bean. I highly recommend, I had to restock because I had run out because I drink it every morning. Today, I've got a little mix of Jeffersonian Java mixed with George Washington's Revolutionary Roast. It's absolutely delicious uh, on, uh, and it's exclusive to ap4libertyshop.com. Thomas's Painkiller Coffee is my favorite, number one. Number two, I'd say it's between Benjamin Franklin's Electric Elixir and Jeffersonian Java. It's so dang good, and you will be glad and thankful that I uh, encourage you to try it. Plus, now's the time to order a whole bunch of bags, because here's the deal. You're looking for Christmas gifts for people in your life who are coffee lovers, especially if they love America and they love the Constitution and founding fathers and all that stuff. Imagine opening up a big gift basket full of beautiful coffees with, you know, Betsy Ross's Lily, Liberty Lullaby and Adams's Patriotic Perk and Jeffersonian Java. Do you have somebody in your life that you know would appreciate that? Well, today's the day. Go and stock up on a whole bunch of bags. If you buy like 10, 15, right, you're going to get that discount, the bundle discount. It's going to come up to like 12 to 15% off-ish somewhere when you buy four or more bags. So buy some for yourself, buy some for, for your friends and for your family, and get them ready for Christmas gifts. Buy the whole bean. That way, they'll, they'll stay fresh from now until Christmas time. Um, but if you're ready to start drinking them right away, then of course, just get yourself the ground so you don't have to worry about it. But I like the coffee grinder approach put the beans in the coffee grinder, grind them. That way they're always fresh. And God, there's nothing, there's nothing as delicious as fresh ground. That's what I'm drinking this morning. My revolutionary roast, Washington's, it's all fresh ground from the beans. Oh, 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 oh. you'd be like Santa. Enjoy it. Merry Christmas at ap4libertyshop.com. Corey and Callie, he knows what I'm saying. He says the coffee is mm -mm, delicious. Good morning, Barney Styles. Good morning, Jose MMA. Nice to see you. Lovely wife, Stephanie Peterson. Glad to have you here. All right, let's go back to the best moment of the debate last night. And for those of you who it's a repeat, I'm sorry, but it's just such a wonderful moment. Vivek Ramaswamy's opening swipe at the GOP establishment, as well as the mainstream media establishment from the debate last night. Take a listen. Not the former president. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. 
And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Christian, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you in the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Rogers. This is how we get our country back. Bro. Bro. What are you bro what are you drinking you know what it is i'm he's drinking founding flavors coffee you know it's true right <laughs> he's drinking him some jeffersonian java because the jeffersonian java's got all the caffeine in it vivek ramaswamy he's running this man runs on founding flavors you gotta love it you gotta love it Best moment of the debate so far uh and uh but there was another rally last night donald trump didn't appear at the debate rally last night, but uh, can somebody please get Roseanne Barr an actual soapbox to speak on last night? Here's Roseanne Barr from the uh, Donald Trump rally last night. Take a listen to this. But other thing I ran when I ran for president, I also ran on the thing one of my platforms will was, I will outlaw bullshit. <laughs> And I want to show you this jacket that my friend made. And uh, look at this here. She can barely see over the podium here. So funny. There she is. Get the camera on Roseanne. Okay, well, he's, he's riding the bull. We got Donald Trump riding the bull here on. Get him, Roseanne. Trump is the Magador. Yeah, and that's the deep state bull. <laughs> so that kind of went along with my uh, thing for president. I will outlaw bullshit. But I want to say right now, aren't we all tired of the deep state bullshit? Yes. I can't hear you. I want you to say it louder. Aren't we all fed up with the deep state bullshit? Queen, we are. Get him, Roseanne. <laughs> are we having fun? <laughs> In the bullshit. <laughs> we want Trump, the Magador, to kill that goddamn bull. <laughs> You wild and Roseanne. And the bullshit, kill that goddamn bull. <laughs> okay, Roseanne, calm down a little bit. Jesus, <laughs> that's a lot of uh, that's a spicy meatball there from Roseanne Barr at the Donald Trump uh, rally last night in Florida. Um, I gotta say that the debate last night was a clear Vivek Ramaswamy victory. Let's give it up for Vivek. I was playing the clip a little bit earlier of Vivek Ramaswamy, and he was disagreeing with Ron DeSantis's take on how to deal with college uh, students on college campus. I'm looking forward to hearing Camelia Peterson's take on that. She's going to join us about nine minutes from now. She held a debate party last night in St. Louis, so she might be a little sleepy this morning. So hopefully she'll be able to be spry and sprightly with us. So we'll see what uh, what she has to say. Apparently she has an interesting take on the whole student visa question. She was teasing that out a little bit earlier. So we'll hear from her on that one about nine minutes from now. But let's uh, 
let's revisit this again because it is a big topic. Here's what Vivek had to say about uh, Ron DeSantis wanting to cancel foreign student visas. Anti-Semitism to irrelevance. These kids, they have no idea what the heck they're even talking about when they're siding with Hamas over Israel. They are fools. But I also want to caution here, if we go the direction of Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, with whom I respectfully disagree on this issue, pro-censorship, telling student groups to disband, mark my words, soon they will say if you question a vaccine and its side effects, you're a bioterrorist. Soon they will say that if you show up at a school board meeting, you're a domestic terrorist. Soon if they say that J6 prisoners should be released, you're an insurrectionist terrorist. So that's where this road ends. We don't quash this with censorship because that creates a worse underbelly. We quell it through leadership by calling it out. These university administrators have lost their way and we need leadership at the top in the United States of America that restores our founding values and that has no place for this kind of anti-Semitic hate. That's where I stand while respecting our constitution. Your time is on. Uh, Senator Scott, uh, let me get you to weigh in on what you just heard. Cool. Let me just say to every single university president in America, federal funding is a privilege, not a right. Oh, yeah, that's what I want to hear. Listen, if it's the anti-terrorism thing that gets the Republicans to finally defund the university system, then I'm all for it. I don't care if it's because they say it's all well because they're supporting Hamas, something like that. I just want them to cut the massive spending. I want less government in the United States, and I want less of my tax dollars to be stolen from me. Fewer tax dollars, if you will. Can't wait to hear from Camille on this topic, but Tim Scott makes a nice point there. Number one. Number two, to every student who've come to our country on a visa to a college campus, your visa is a privilege, not a right. Number three, any campus that allows for anti-Semitism and hate to allow students to encourage terrorism, mass murder, mass murder and genocide, you should lose your federal funding today, period. To all the students, on visas or encouraging Jewish genocide, I would deport you from those campuses. We have to stand strong with our Jewish Americans. At the end of the day, we should not have our Jewish students in a library being told to hide on our streets in New York. A Jewish citizen has the right to walk on the streets of America with no fear. They have the right to go to college campuses, go to class and not fear. We will restore that. I started working on anti-Semitism on college campuses in 2017, because even then there was a rise of anti-Semitism on college campuses. We must force Good morning. Uh, you see, there's a difference between people who drink, you can tell there's a difference between people who drink Founding Flavors coffee and people who do not drink Founding Flavors coffee. People who drink Founding Flavors coffee, like Vivek, people who don't drink Founding Flavors coffee, like Tim Scott. You know how it'd be. <laughs> Red White Renegade, uh, about 15 minutes ago, posted over in the comment section below the Rumble video, says it's hard to find a good podcast to, podcast to watch in the mornings. 
He says, is no one up with the early birds? Love this. And I'm sharing on Truth Social right now. Yeah. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. The jig is up, the noose is out, they finally found me. Your renegade who had it made. I'm a wanted man. Red, white, renegade. That's right, brother, we love it. Tell them drinking founding flavors this morning. Ah, are we enjoying ourselves? Are we having a good time? Then why haven't you clicked that like button yet on the show? What are you doing? You haven't subscribed to the channel yet. You're watching this awesome content and you're saying to yourself, I love this show. Austin just broke out with sticks here at 756 in the morning. He's wearing an awesome 1980s style shirt that I designed, by the way. This is the gun running shortstop shirt. If you haven't seen it over at ap4libertyshop.com exclusive to me. See this this neon pink that I have underneath it. You got to get that on your own. But we do sell the gun running shortstop shirt over at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Oh, dang it. We got to go get Camellia. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to hear from Camellia Peterson. She's going to give her take on the debate. Apparently, she's got something interesting to say. You don't want to miss it. It's Thirsty Thursdays when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Thankful to have you here. Click that like button. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We'd love to have you come back and join us here on the show. We make lots of friends here especially over in the Rumble chat. PGH Metalhead, first time I've seen him here. And Guapo Loco. Also, nice to see you here. We love making new friends. Introduce yourself. Stick around. We'll have a few laughs. It is the Christmas season. Time to watch a great Christmas movie like Die Hard. You know that sweater from Die Hard, the movie, after he kills one of uh, uh, Bruce Willis's character, kills one of Hans Gruber's German terrorists? And when uh, he writes in blood on his sweater, he says, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. You know what I'm talking about? We actually have that sweater in the shop. AP4LibertyShop.com. So not only can you get awesome shirts like this one designed by me, but I also designed that sweater as well. Head head over to AP4LibertyShop.com. Get yourself a now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Christmas sweater and grab yourself the gun running shortstop. That's that neon machine gun design that I also made myself. Glad to have you here. All right. Do you like Vivek? Do you like, is Vivek like snake or is Vivek like cake? People who watched the debates last night have a plethora of opinions. Some people trying to Vivek shame me this morning. Somebody was saying, oh, he's a huckster. He's a grifter. This is why people don't take libertarians seriously. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, are you guys watching the same debate that I am? But you know what? A fellow Liberty lover from Missouri might be able to help confirm all my biases, or perhaps she'll slap me around a little bit. Maybe I need that. Joining us now for her regular Tuesday, Thursday sketch is Camelia Peter. What's up, CJ? How are you doing? Good morning. It is a sketch sometimes, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So Vivek like snake or Vivek like cake? Who won the debate? Uh, You know, I think Vivek honestly has won the debate every time. And I think cheerly on the fact that he's very very good at this like he is good at debating and the thing is it's like 
it's not just that he's good at speaking and debating because if you can if you're a good speaker and you can make yourself sound eloquent but you say a whole lot of nothing like that's one thing but that is not vivek like he knows what he's talking about he's detailed about it and he's sharp i mean like and he's quick-witted and you have that combination and it's just you know it's really hard to say that he doesn't win and i saw some people you know on twitter who are Ron DeSantis fans or they're Nikki Healy fans or whatever. And I'm sorry, but there are some very, you know, and they would actually like like a leftist criticism of Vivek or someone else. But and it was, it was like, and it, and it was something, it was a criticism that was, it was objectively untrue. I mean, it was, they were really reaching for something. So there's, you know, there's a spice that goes, somebody says something against the person I don't like, so I'm going to like that, you right, know? Right, <laughs> right. There, there, there's a lot of sour grapes from the DeSantis and the Haley people. But I mean, it's not our fault that Vivek is absolutely killing it. It's not Vivek's fault. He's he's just objectively outperforming everyone in the media game. And you know what? The media game is a right. part of the primary. For sure. And I, you know, and I think people have a hard time accepting that, um, you can be very good at the media and that debating that doesn't necessarily mean you're the best person for the office. But I mean, so when you say somebody's very good at that, I think they automatically think that you think that he should be the guy in the White House. I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe not. I really like the ideas. And I think at this point in the game, uh, I, I would, I mean, I would not be unhappy if he wanted. Yeah. I wouldn't be unhappy either. I wouldn't. I, I, I've even said, and I've got the Make America Great Again hat sitting in the studio right here, ready to go. If Vivek gets the VP slot from Donald Trump, I'm putting a Make America Great Again hat on. I, I am. I've never worn the MAGA hat, but I will do it. Uh, and boy, I'll tell you, this is um, it's a weird position to be in because obviously Donald Trump wasn't there last night, but probably a good thing, right? One, because he doesn't need to be there. And two, because it helps us to put uh, a greater uh, perspective, like a closer eye on what the other candidates are saying. He's not sucking all of the energy out of the room. We can actually see who these people are and stuff like that. But I mean, I like Ron DeSantis. I have nothing bad to say about Ron DeSantis, except for a few quibbles here and there about some policies. But I mean, it just seems as if he and his people are sort of deflated at this point. Am I wrong? No. And the thing is interesting. I saw somebody note that it'll be interesting to see how Trump reacts to the debate and as far as how he responds to Vivek Ramaswamy. Will he start to criticize him? Um, will he indicate that he actually views him as a threat after last night's performance? Because so far he hasn't. In fact, he's had, I wanna say he's even said some positive things maybe a while back. But I, I so I think that's a good point. I'm a little conflicted on whether or not Trump should be in the debates. I actually, I, you know, maybe it is a smart move um, I think on his part to not do the debates. I also think it's a cowardly move because I do think that if he debated, he knows that, uh, first of all, Vivek would wipe the floor with him. I mean, I'm sorry, but I would give just about anything to see that. <laughs> like, I just like, because, you know, you're right. Trump comes in and he just dominates by the overwhelming force of his personality. It's not that he dominates with, you know, facts or information or knowledge or anything like that, because that's not it with him. He dominates with personal attacks and just by the force of his personality. And so, yeah, I mean, it probably would have been a much worse debate in a lot of ways if Trump had been on stage. So I do think that it was a positive that he was not there. 
because one of the things when um, we were talking about this leading up to the debate last night um, is the question of what do you want to see and what was last night's, night's debate going to be like? Because the first two were just like, they were they were terrible. Like, you know, it was WWE. And <clears throat> so last night the question was, well, will it be more of the same um, or will we have an actual civil discussion of policy issues? And I think we saw the latter and I think people wanted to see that. So that was really good. I will say, so we hosted a, a debate watch party last night here in St. Louis, and it was probably it was the best one we've done so far. I've done three. And I would say there were a couple of, of differences in that. I think part of it was kind of the, the setting that we had. It was more theater style and just kind of how we set the stage for it. I gave everybody noise party noisemakers. So if they heard something they liked, they could, you know, if they heard something they hated, they could make some noise. But people were also just more engaged. Um, I think with the people that were on the debate stage with it being narrowed down to five, like nobody liked Chris Christie. I don't think there was a single person of over a hundred people who liked Chris Christie. But I, I like somebody, we... somebody last night uh, described him as with a white Lizzo. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's beautiful. Oh, oh man. Okay. Like, yeah. Oh boy. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> So, I mean, but there was a there was a man like before the debate even started, we were kind of having a doing a pre-debate show with some of the radio personalities and whatnot on stage. And, you know, he turned around to everybody in the audience, this guy in the audience and went on this whole promotion of Vivek Ramaswamy and why people needed to check him out and like all of the things that he was saying. And so it was really interesting. There were a real mix of people and there were some people who I think were, you know, kind of like soft Trump supporters, too. Um, but still wanted to hear what the other candidates have to say. And I think that that's important. People should do that. Even if you support Trump, you should hear what the other candidates have to say. Completely agree. I wrote a really great piece that people need to read that just dropped this morning about why I think Vivek is a star in this in these debates and why he's a star in the Republican Party at the moment. I also sort of batted away some of the criticisms that have been made against him, which I think really are unfounded. Uh, but especially that there are some some criticisms of him that I think are founded, and I do address one of those in the article, but I just posted it over my Twitter account this morning at AP for Liberty, if you'd like to read it. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show live this morning, good morning, glad to have you here. Click that like button, subscribe to the channel, and come back and join us every Monday through Friday here, 7 to 9 Central. On Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 a.m. Central, the lovely Camelia Peterson joins us live, and it's a great way to Stay informed about what's happening in the world. If you like CJ's segments, make sure you set a calendar appointment to come back Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 a.m. Central Time. I have so much to ask you, Camelia, and I want to get through as much of it as I can. One, I'd like you to respond to how Vivek took on Ronna McDaniel. Wow. Two, how he attacked the mainstream media and asked a question of the moderators. Wow. And then three, you teased me about your view on the student visa DeSantis thing. Do you think you're going to... Can you answer all three of those questions in the next 15 minutes somehow? Sure. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the the opening with the vague way, that was something else. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not sure how anyone could not like that. And he's right. We've done so much losing. And I say we, not being someone who's been like hardcore Republican Party person. I, I often feel a little political party homeless, but that's okay. Um, but, uh, you know... <sighs> There's not been, we really grab onto the small wins over the last six, eight years. And the fact of the matter is in 2022, we saw it 
Um, we saw it just the other Tuesday night. There's not a whole lot of winning going on. I was told there would be winning and there is not winning going on. So I don't know who you want to blame for that. Uh, do you want to blame party leadership? Okay, but you know, that's maybe a, a part of it. I don't think that that's by any stretch of the imagination, a lot of it. Um, I do think that, you know, part of that party leadership includes Donald Trump. And I think that he has set the tone for the party. And I think that the approach that this party has taken, in, which has made us actually increasingly polarized and tribalistic, I don't think that's helping us win. This, you know, like he fights, like we fight, right? We're doing all the fighting, but like, is that translating into winning? And I don't think so. So the visas. Okay, so visas, I, I'm a little conflicted, but I do think it's totally fair to, if they're here, they're going to a publicly funded university. They are not a citizen of this country. I don't think they enjoy the same privileges as the citizens of this country. And I do think you're right. The ultimate answer to that is just to defund the higher education. I mean, like defund all the education institutions, frankly, but especially, especially defund the higher education institutions. The government does not need to be funding those. And if students want to do those on private university property and the private university wants to support that, go for it. Although I do think, you know, there comes a point in time, I, I think it is a slippery slope that we could go down and limiting people's speech, even when they're here on, you know, a visa, as far as what they can say for things that are antithetical to American values. So I think we do have to be careful about that. Um, but, you know, I, I think it needs a good hard look also because you do have to have a line somewhere with what you tolerate. Because I don't think anybody, uh, I mean, can anybody from America go over to Iran and say whatever the heck they want, dress however they want? I mean, ladies, can you go just do what you want in Iran? You know what I'm saying? So, <clears throat> I mean, there are, I think every country has its boundaries <clears throat> and I think America should have their boundaries as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I was kind of shocked that the judge went so far a couple of weeks ago to make that argument that even if someone is a committed member of a terrorist organization and has actually committed acts of terrorism overseas, that they still have a right to come to the United States. I was kind of like, Meh. I mean, like, I'm for a freer immigration system to an extent, but like, there's got to be some kind of standards, right? Before I people mean, come here, you know, so, right, the like ideal some minimum is standard. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and the ideal is that, you know, it, the ideal, I guess, and I think that's part of that outlook he has is that good will overcome evil. Mm. But, you know, also sometimes evil comes and it takes root and you don't have enough of the, the, the good people to overcome that before it's ballooned into something that's out of control. And then sometimes evil wins. As a matter of fact, yes. I almost almost feel like the long march of human history, like for the most part, mostly evil has won to a large extent. Right. It's only been in recent history that we've started to actually imp uh, impose a, a civilization, a liberal uh, worldview on, on the world to some extent. I mean, it's only been in recent history that, you know, homosexuals were allowed to come out of the closet without getting their asses kicked and their heads, you know, beat in. And, and uh, they were able to be themselves as they want. Now, obviously, some people take those things too far and they're, you know, waving their wing wings around kids at pride rallies and that has to be, uh, you know, pushed back against to an extent. But I mean, it reminds me of that Thomas Jefferson quote, I would rather be exposed to the inconveniences of too much liberty 
than of too little. Um, and if you like Thomas Jefferson, you should drink our founding flavors coffee. Uh, so Camelia, if, um, if I was telling people not to sleep on Vivek Ramaswamy, people were definitely sleeping on Tim Scott last night. I mean, I, when I listened to him, I was like, oh, I'm, I want to sleep. So boring. Uh, you say that people like Tim Scott. You've done door knocking and your people are like, oh, I like Tim yeah. Scott. Like, are yeah. these sleepy little garden gnomes that like Tim Scott? <laughs> they just like their, you know, other sleepy people. But um, I'm not impressed. What about, I mean, you, you like him. Sure. Why? I mean, and I think that was early on and people were still looking at who all was getting into the race. And I think Tim Scott kind of brings this calming <laughs> presence to to the political sphere and the presidential race. Yeah, like, race, night, like you know? nighttime, like, like nighttime Advil or something. <laughs> I mean, maybe so, but I think that there's been, there's been so much constant chaos and drama with Trump that I think people are looking for a little like Calvin Coolidge or Tim Scott or you know, I'm saying like, like I'm ready for boring now. <laughs> but I mean, I do think that it's true that it's very hard. You know, we looked at last night's debate and the, the question was, OK, who has the most to gain from this in terms of the candidate? And I really think that, you know, Tim Scott had the most opportunity for a rise and he's not going to see that. Uh, just because, you know, as nice as he is and well-intentioned as he is, he just, I don't think he's resonating enough with voters. And when you talk about resonating with voters, that's the thing about Vivek is that he's talking about things that I hear people talking about every day. That is that is just a huge difference because one of the constant complaints um, that you hear from people is that candidates get up on these stages and they don't talk about the things that you know we're talking about in the coffee shops and the bars and so i think that vivek does that well um i think that probably vivek and um, ron DeSantis probably got the most out of that debate as far as a bump uh, i think nikki haley probably got hurt by it some she just and this is an interesting divide in the Republican Party right now as far, as far as, you know, whether we're going to go the neocon direction and the warmongering um, or whether we're going to, you know, take care of stuff at home and stop helping everybody else around the world, you know, every time we turn around. So uh, because, boy, she she does seem to love her some war. Uh, I just like that. It's It's mind blowing how she just triples down on that. When there does seem to be such an overwhelming sentiment on the right now that pushes back against that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, which is nice, I, I, which is nice to see. Right. right? Like I like right. Vivek's uh, I like Vivek's approach to things. Right. He says, you know, that Israel has a right to kill those terrorists and we have a right to stop the terrorists on our own southern border, for example, right. which I, I think is. I think is the right way to go without saying that, oh, we need to get involved in the conflict in the Middle East. I mean, neocon Nikki is not just a catchphrase. It's true. She wants to remake the Middle East. She wants to have the United States and boots on the ground. She wants to get involved in every conflict around the world and endlessly spend taxpayer dollars. And I just think that that I'm glad that the Republican Party has turned away from that. And, I, you know, it's yeah. it's refreshing to hear Vivek Ramaswamy surging with that, you know, more non-interventionist point of view when it comes to foreign policy. And he makes a lot of good points about Vladimir Zelensky and you know, I like that he had a full-throated and open and open support of Israel and their right to defend themselves against Hamas, especially because especially because 
I think we have to have a voices that counteract the pro Hamas voices in the United States right. because the the amount of propaganda that we are getting from pro Hamas sympathizers in this country, not just on co college campuses, but in the mainstream media. Uh, that story that I mentioned earlier, I don't know if you saw it, but at the moment there's this report that maybe CNN, New York Times, AP, Reuters may have been embedded with Hamas on October 7th, which may mean that, uh, you know, these people are aware that these terrorist attacks are going to happen right ahead of time and they're hanging out with them. I saw one CNN reporter, for example, was getting kissed by one of the leaders of Hamas on October 7th. That. Yep. that shit Gosh. is dangerous. And it goes to show just how anti-American and anti-Western values the, me the media is here in the United States. So I'm glad to hear Vivek Ramaswamy saying that, you know, we stand uh, more on the moral support side of Israel. I wish more libertarians would do that. Unfortunately, as you and I have seen over the past few weeks, and I've, you know, I've got a lot of bones to pick with one libertarians who claim to act as if they are uh, above it all, like they're, they're not really picking a side, but they really are picking a side. And then you have the other ones who hate Israel and hate Jews who are the pro Hamas side of things. So I'm glad to see that people like Vivek and others are coming out in support of Israel. I, I, I imagine the re remember Javier Malay down in Argentina. Mm, yeah. uh, did, did you love seeing his open support of Israel? He's like, I want to be Jewish and all this stuff. And I'm seeing <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of libertarians that I know that were like big time Javier Malay fans that got real quiet about that when he started saying that, because they were like, we love Javier Malay, we hope he wins president of Argentina. Then he starts waving the uh, the Israeli flag after October 7th, and all of a sudden it's kind of like, it's like, come on guys, just say, just say you hate the Jews, just be honest, just say you cannot stand the, the, the people who killed Christ. Just say, just call them a Christ, just call them Christ killers and, and bring out the, proto the learned protocols of the elders of Zion. And, and get out Henry, a copy of Henry Ford's The International Jew and tell us all about why you think the Jews were kicked out of all of the countries and, and just explain it to us and tell us, you know, come out from behind the shadows and tell us how you really feel. So anyways, that's a long-winded way of saying. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me I, what you think is like, so it, when you talk about the people that are on the stage last night in terms of being um, non-interventionist, um, to me, I, I would say that Ramaswamy is probably the most non-interventionist, mm -hmm. and then Ron DeSantis, because Ron DeSantis is maybe not quite as much, but he's you know he's close. Um, and then maybe maybe Tim Scott, and then like Nikki Haley's like he's at the top of the pack there. So <laughs> but what's your question? Well, do you, do you I mean do you think that's right? I mean I don't think that I don't think that Ron DeSantis is as non-interventionist as Vivek is. Um, you know, you know what? He's really been but very he's still reserved. Been pretty good. Yeah. yeah, he was he was pretty good. You know, he's talking about like how we shouldn't be funding, you know, Ukraine, but I have not heard a comprehensive foreign policy strategy for right. him on the basis of those two conflicts, which yeah. honestly makes me more suspicious of DeSantis. Yeah, and that's well, and that's something that I was thinking about just now that that bothers me a little bit is because I would like to hear him come out more definitively. Mm -hmm. on that issue because it's such a huge issue right now we can't afford not to know what a future president a potential president is going to you know think about those kind of things so yeah uh, well apparently we do know that nikki haley thinks that uh heels are ammunition ladies <laughs> <laughs> camelia peterson i'm running out of time we got daniela pensack coming up here in just about Yay. five or six minutes she's going to talk to us about Mr. Beast digging wells in Africa, as well as that guy down in that American 
who wasted a couple of eco protesters who were blocking a road. We're looking forward to hearing from her on that. But I want to make sure you get a chance to plug anything you'd like to plug or give your last words before we let you go. Uh, nothing to plug. You guys know where to find me. Um, and I would just say, um, keep staying involved in the conversation. I do. <laughs> okay, they have scheduled a fourth debate. I have no idea why, uh, because it's on December 8th, which is Friday night. I think that's crazy. But um, I do think that they also think it probably narrowed down to two, maybe three candidates that'll be on the stage. So it, that at least will be interesting to see who they put on the stage. But I would say keep listening. And when you think if you are at, at like, I don't think any of your listeners are going to be Nikki Haley supporters at all. But, you know, if you have friends who are like, not only uh, is she going to get us into a whole lot more in terms of war, but, you know, she she would have a plan, a surefire plan to hurt this American economy when she talks about things like completely cutting off trade to China. Like <clears throat> that sounds good in the whole China narrative, but that would enormously hurt us um, economically. Yeah, so for, anyway, for sure. Uh, Camelia Peterson, you can find her at rare Camelia over on uh, Twitter dot com joins us every Tuesday and Thursday here at 8 a.m. Central on the show. Appreciate you, CJ, and thanks for getting up so early, and I know it was a late night for you, so we appreciate you being so generous with your time. Have a great day, everyone. Yes, have a great day. That was Camelia Peterson. Give it up for CJ. Raw, the crowd goes wild. We've got a lot more great show to go. We've got Daniela Pence actually coming up. Did you see this guy who wasted those uh, eco-protesters on the road? Uh, have you ever seen that movie Falling Down, you know, where the guy is like, uh, what's the guy's character? Michael Douglas's character just kind of gets sick of everything. And he starts like shooting random gang members in the streets of LA. And stuff. Check this out. This guy did this in South America. Oops, here's, here's the actual scene. This guy did this in South America. What an epic shot. Here it is. He's wasting the climate protesters here with his gun. Look at this. He's got, look at the bullet, the casing, the shell casing flying up in the air. Imagine the reporter. Or the person who is taking the photograph of this as it's going down. I mean, he's not, I mean, he's basically in the line of fire almost, right? He's like, there's the gun being pointed, being shot. There's the shell casing in the air. He shoots two of the protesters, the climate protesters. Listen, I'm not saying I condone it, but I am saying I understand it. We'll hear from Daniela Pensack about that, as well as why people are mad that Mr. Beast is giving fresh water to African children. Let me get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. A hundred wells we're going to build in this video. Oh, water! You just witnessed a small village in Kenya get access to unlimited clean drinking water in less than a second. One down, 99 more wells in Africa to go. You're going to love this video. Combined, these 100 wells are going to give around half a million people fresh water to drink. And after building some more wells on this side of Kenya, we flew south to the school system of Nairiri. And let's just say... There it is, Mr. Beast. Going to drill 100 wells in Africa so that children can have access. 500,000 children will have access to clean drinking water. You'd think people would love him for that, but apparently not. Activists are booing him? What the hell's going on? Good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. We're glad to have you here live. Click that subscribe button. Come back and join us here on the show every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. It's a great way to start your day. And since it's Thursdays at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, we have our regular Thursday guest, the lovely Daniela Pensack, who's joining us live right now. She's a 
Turning Point USA field coordinator for their high school program. She's on the West Coast, so it's hella early there. What's up, Daniela? Good morning, Austin. Thank you for having me here today. Yes, glad to have you here, Daniela. We appreciate you getting up so early and for being generous with your time. So Mr. Beast goes to Africa, brings fresh drinking water to African children. People are not happy. What the hell? People are not happy, no. Um, for those of you that don't know who Mr. Beast is, he's a very popular YouTuber. He has over 200 million subscribers on YouTube. He does like philanthropy videos where he helps uh, very unfortunate people. Uh, he's done videos before where he uh, helped amputees or help people um, get surgery in their eyes, like blind people get surgery in their eyes. And, um, you know, basically help people that are in uh, strenuous situations. And in that video that you guys uh, saw, he's built over... Um, or he's installed over 100 wells in various African countries, including Zimbabwe, Uganda, um, Kenya. And uh, he has quenched the thirst of an estimated over 500,000 people in those countries. So he has made definite progress in those countries. He's also helped build a bridge between a Kenyan village and um, a nearby city with hospitals and schools. So he is dramatically improving these people's lives. So like Austin said, you'd think um, the locals there would be very happy about this, but not in today's age, um, not anymore at least. Um, activists are coming out saying that he is perpetuating stereotypes of, of African dependency. Um, I believe a CEO of a water, um, I like this water program uh, in that in Kenya has mentioned that he uh, is, or she had an issue with the fact that a white male is bringing attention to this, to this problem. And uh, a local a Kenyan politician has also stated that he is perpetuating the stereotype of African dependency and that it makes um, Kenyans look bad. And so a lot of people are having issue with this. And my only response to this is Africa, or a large part, at least sub-Saharan Africa, is dependent on external help and foreign aid. And unfortunately, time and time again, we've seen leadership there is corrupt and they misuse uh, this foreign aid. And so they cannot properly help uh, the people of their country. So sometimes, you know, it takes external help. Sometimes it takes a white male with a white platform to bring attention to this and do this right. Um, but for these people, apparently breaking stereotypes is more important than um, giving children clean water in those countries. It's racism, isn't it, Daniela? I, you know what? I guess helping Africans drink clean water is racism now. If you're no, no, white and you're helping they, people. No, but I mean, like, the racism is coming from the activists. It's that they don't. Uh, right, they, absolutely. It, it, if, if it was Kanye West, well, not maybe not Kanye West, but if it was, uh, if it was Jamie Foxx going out there and dr drilling wells, they'd be fawning all over him, wouldn't they? Unfortunately, uh, that seems to be the case. Yes. Um, yes, this is obviously direct racism. And it's just ironic because, I mean, there it's like, how what are we supposed to do? Right. Like we if they don't want any help, fine. But it just seems as though, like, once again, we have seen the leadership there in these countries are uh, they, they can't deal with whatever the case may be, the reasons why and like. A lot of scholars go into this as to why certain leadership in Africa can't do this uh, correctly, but um, these these people need external help still. And so I don't know what we are supposed to do in this. Are we just supposed to watch them in the sidelines, just crash and burn? Um, and once again, and it's not as though Mr. Beast is this uh, international, um, you know, governmental organization that's doing this. He's just a philanthropist, really. Uh, he's a guy with a large platform. And yes, he is bringing attention to this. And maybe that's necessary. Um, he has this this charity program that is self-sustaining 
on its own. So why not use it to benefit these people? Well, I guess they, they don't want any help. Like I said, breaking stereotypes is apparently more important. Yeah, no kidding. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. Glad to have you here. I'm speaking to our friend, Daniela Pensack. She's a Turning Point USA field coordinator. We're talking a little bit about Mr. Beast fighting corruption and builds dr building drinking water wells in Africa and the backlash. Yes, the backlash to him doing this. But I mean, it, the leftist activists on this one, they're never going to be happy, Daniela. And to be honest, my take on this one, my opinion is they want Africans dependent on international aid so that they can have jobs and so that they can send their kids to be part of the Peace Corps uh, and, and to to so that they can have their own version of um, what do you call it? White saver complex. They just don't want somebody doing something that will actually help them and get them uh, independent because then they aren't going to need the help of these international government organizations. Would you agree with my position? Add to it, subtract. Um, yes, I think there is a lot of truth to that. Um, a lot of these, uh, there is a lot there. That is a major theory that is contended among um, a lot of people, academics included, who uh, study this, that a lot of these people, they do perpetuate their own um, their own systems and their own longevity in these organizations, whether they be nonprofit or otherwise. Um, that's how they kind of maintain their survivability is by exploiting, really exploiting, not people like Mr. Beast, who they claim he exploits people by helping them, actually helping them. Um, a lot of these organizations do exploit these unfortunate countries that are in impoverished and bad situations to uh, sustain their longevity. We've seen, we also see a lot of this happening in the United States with the homeless population. I mean, say what you will about uh, homeless shelters. They do help these people, but in large part, they also perpetuate some of the homeless crisis in certain uh, major cities. completely agree. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen right now. I'm going to switch topics here. This is a man who, an American man who firing his gun at two climate activists in South America. Take a look at this unbelievable picture. New meme template, definitely here. You can see the shell casing flying in the air, uh, meaning that this is an active shooting in progress. Daniela, would you mind giving us the breakdown? What is this? What happened? Yeah, this is a spicy one. So um, there was footage caught of an elderly gentleman coming up to um, eco-protesters in the Pan-American Highway on Tuesday. And he's shot two of them. Um, he has killed two of them. So uh, he is being investigated right now. But this man is named as Kenneth Darlington. He's 77. He's a professor and lawyer. He has a dual, citi dual citizenship with Panama and America. And he has had enough. Um, these protesters apparently have been protesting for three weeks, though, just so you guys bear in mind. And their, pro their roadblocks have cost local businesses thousands of dollars and estimated even millions of dollars. So they are making massive damage in the area. Um, local businesses are losing money. Schools have been shuttered for over a week now. So um, my only question is, like, why hasn't anything been done earlier? Um, you know, these people are making irreparable damage in the area by protesting. And just so you guys know, they are protesting like this, um, this uh, mining contract that has been done with a Canadian company. It's going to use like the copper pit in the area um they in the so people had major issue with that and have made major roadblocks on a major highway that is necessary for the longevity of a lot of people a lot of people are driving to work uh making money just to make ends meet feed their families they they're putting their those people's lives at risk by these protests 
So it only makes sense to me why this Kenneth has gone out and he's had enough and he has to do what he has to do to, you know, sustain the livelihoods of other people that are just trying to make ends meet. So you're not saying you condone it, but you understand it? I Yes, that's exactly, that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, Daniela Pensack. Yes. <laughs> Daniela Pensack joining us live right now. She's on the West Coast, which means it's two hours earlier. So that we, means we need to give her a like and a subscriber on the channel because she's a regular guest on Thursdays. Now, Daniela, you did admit that you didn't watch the debate last night. So I guess I'll just ask you a general question. I mean, I'm kind of, I don't know, gaga for uh, for Vivek these days. And I, I listen, I see valid criticisms of the guy. There are some things that I don't agree with. I just dropped an article this morning that I wrote this week about why I like the guy so much, but I think he's brave. I think he's aspirational. I think he, you know, especially you as a young person, Daniela, and me getting kind of old, I still like, I still have a bit of a future, right? I'm middle age, right? I want to have kids soon. And I'm trying to look into the future. And I want a candidate who isn't all doom and gloom, who isn't, this is the, you know, you know this well, Daniela, because you live, you're very online, right? The right is, especially the very online right, it's very doom, right? It's over. The American Republic is in decline, right? Soft men create hard times, all this shit. But Vivek kind of turns that on his head, and I like it. What do you think about him? Be honest. Yeah, you know, I have mixed feelings. He is definitely a bombastic character. He does bring in a lot of attention. Um, and yeah, he does make you feel hopeful for America's future, especially the coming generations. Um, as far as I've heard sketchy stuff about his history, I don't know all the specifics of it. I just know that he has said certain things in his past that doesn't align with what he's saying now. Um, but then again, like who, who, who hasn't done that? Like our opinions change, right? Um, so I, I can't say the, specific, the, the specifics of that. My first choice is uh, Donald Trump for president. He's not the ideal candidate. I just think that you know, he unites the party more than any other candidate. Um, but if somehow Vivek uh, replaces Trump in that, I see that as being unlikely. But if Vivek is the next unifying force of the GOP, um, I'm willing to support him because I think we just need that. We we, we need, uh, obviously, with the previous elections that just happened, the, GOP, the Republican Party is still not doing a good job with, with whatever it is that they're doing. So, um, yes, uh, I, I think he is. Uh, he does bring a lot of unity and spirit, I think, um, to the party. But uh, as Camelia said earlier, you know, just because he has media presence, I don't think necessitates him being a good, um, a good person in public office, a good public official. Uh, so I'm still, I'm still kind of on edge with Vivek, but I will say he is definitely an entertaining character. What do you think about as as a woman? What do you think about Nikki Haley? Um. So, I mean, her policies are questionable. I mean, as a woman, I, I, a woman can, right? I mean, if Vivek was a woman, I'd probably like her too, right? Um, or Trump for that matter. I don't think it really matters if she's a woman or not, but her policies, I mean, I will say she is a bit of a warmonger. She does have more um, experience on international policy, so I'm not like willing to rule her out completely. But with some of the things that she has said concerning some um, uh, international events, I will say that, I'm a little bit uh, skeptical, you know, I don't want the United States to go into another war like no like everyone else feels that way. So I'm she's not she's definitely not my first choice. What do you think about Ron DeSantis? 
you know, he's, I wouldn't say he, from what I've seen, again, I haven't seen the last debate. I've only seen like clips here and there. Um, but for the last couple of debates that I watched, he's doing decently. Um, I don't know why people are complaining so much about him. I think it's more his base and his, uh, his supporters that, you know, get a lot of the, bring a lot of hate to the campaign. I don't think it's DeSantis himself personally. Um, I'm kind of middle on the road with him. Yeah, I like DeSantis, but it's I almost feel like DeSantis's supporters are almost trying to talk me out of supporting DeSantis in a way. They're so negative and hateful online and they just they, I don't know. They just um they're not making the best case for him. You'd think that there's like they're like paid Trump supporters to just infiltrate the campaign to make yes. him look bad. <laughs> yes, yes. That's a really good point. Uh uh and I definitely am gonna tweet about that. I've got like five tweets ready to roll after after that. You've definitely stimulated my thinking on this one, Daniela. <laughs> Is there anything else that you've got on your mind that you're covering or anything that you'd like to share with us today before we let you go? Um, you know what? Besides the stories that I've mentioned, not really. But I will say before I go, follow me on Twitter, everyone. It's at Pensac Daniela. Um, as Austin has said, I am terminally online, so I post there quite frequently. Uh, and um, also, if you want, follow me on uh, Instagram too. It's official Daniela Pensac. Same name, official Daniela Pensac on TikTok. Follow me. I'm still not banned yet, so that's good on TikTok. But I have eight strikes, so follow me there before I lose my account. <laughs> there you go, Daniela Pensac. Follow her online at uh, on Twitter at Pensac Daniela. Thank you very much, Daniela, for your regular Thursday sketch as usual. Terrific job. Uh, we look forward to having you back next week at the same time. Have a great one. Thank you. You too, Austin. Thank you. Not the former president. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here. And I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our Agreed, agreed. And I didn't get to address that earlier uh, from Vivek. I, I, Honestly, I know it sounds like to some people, if you're not a Vivek supporter, that sounds jokey. But it's true. Like, who are the people on the right that people are actually listening to these days? It's Elon Musk. It's Tucker Carlson. It's it's Joe Rogan. Those are the people those people should have their own debate because they're way more relevant than these NBC News anchors. I do not understand why the Republican Party still feels the need to bow down to the mainstream media on this. Although I will say that I'm glad that they do have a deal with Rumble.com to broadcast the debates exclusively at Rumble.com. It shows that at least they understand the alternative media to some degree. So give it up to the RNC for that. But Vivek is right. It, it doesn't make any sense for us to bow down to NBC. The, the, the left would never hire Greg Gutfield to host a Democratic debate. It doesn't make any sense. Why do the Republicans care so much about what the left thinks about them? The reason why Donald Trump is the leader of the Republican Party right now is because he doesn't care about what the left thinks about him. He doesn't care about what anybody thinks about him. That don't give a damn attitude 
that fighter attitude. That's what Vivek is nailing down on this one. That's why so many people are gravitating towards Vivek Ramaswamy and towards Donald Trump. I don't understand. DeSantis supporters don't seem to understand this. Nikki Haley people are just, they're out to lunch with Chris Christie people who are eating everybody's lunch. And I mean that literally. And metaphor, not metaphorically for sure. Party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Oh, baby boy. Baby boy. Give it up. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Jesus. I said, Jesus. I said, Jesus. He's coming to save me. Vivek is coming to save me. That Hindu nationalist save come. Bringing me that old Hindu religion, if you will. I'll tell you. That Hindu religion. Mixed with America first. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him. Uh, put, Shut up, Mr. President. Me. It's time for us to put America first. From now on, it's going to be America first. Okay, America first. God bless America. You know, and it's you know what the real problem is that I think Donald Trump has nailed it. We are led. By very, very stupid people. Yes. Very, very stupid people. Amen. Yes, we are we led by. We cannot let it continue. We are led by very, very stupid people. Good morning. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, we're glad to have you here. Sorry about all the internet problems this morning. You can boo me. I apologize. Just every once in a while, the internet just kind of sucks, and there's not a, nothing that I can do about that. Media, I blame Mediacom, if you will. But if you have enjoyed the content of the show today and you haven't subscribed already, please do so. Click that subscribe button. And when you do, you can come back and join us every Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central Time. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. You can have your voice heard by sending me a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Let's hear from you today with your thoughts on the news of the day. I had this clip uh, queued up, and I know that my friend Mary Kramer isn't going to be able to hear it, unfortunately. And this is from Thomas Sowell. One of the, uh, a lot of the questions that I get from um, our listeners of the show is questions about uh, things like, why is there so much anti-Semitism in the world today? And I thought that this video from Thomas Sowell actually nailed it down when he talked, because he wrote in his book, Black Rednecks and White Liberals, um, uh, about the Jewish people and the culture and anti-Semitism specifically. I wanted to play this video and react to it. And I'm sorry, Mary Kramer, who asked this question earlier, um, won't be able to hear this. I, I did tell her that I was going to react to a video. This isn't the one I was thinking of, Mary. I have another one as well that I want to play whenever, I, whenever there isn't like so much huge breaking news. But I really enjoyed this discussion with Thomas Sowell about why there is so much anti-Semitism in the world especially in regards to what's going on today. The, the, the middleman minorities, of which the Jews are the most prominent, uh, the hostility to these people in countries around the world is out of all proportion to that, to any other kind of group I can think of. Uh, in terms of violence, uh, the, the number of, uh, of uh, black, the number of Chinese killed, let's say, in one year, uh, and by mob action exceeds all the blacks lynched in the entire history of the United States. 
and the number of Armenians killed in, uh, in Turkey you know, during the First World War is greater than that. And of course, the number of Jews slaughtered on a number of occasions in history, even before the Holocaust, is greater than that. So that the question is, why this particular kind of people are the targets of so much uh, us, venomous hatred? And I think the answer is that um, they, not, they not only succeed, they succeed in a way which is the threat to the egos of other people. That is, no, 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 you can envy a Rockefeller, but he's no threat to your ego because you say, listen, anybody can be rich if he's born a Rockefeller. But the guy who c comes here, let's say from Vietnam or Korea and arrives here with little more than the clothes on his back and a few word broken, words of broken English, uh, and a decade later he has his own little business and you see his son a few years after that getting ready to go off to Harvard or MIT, you've got to ask yourself, you've either got to, you know, you, you, you've got to hate yourself for saying, my God, I've, I've been stagnating. This guy was nothing, and now he's risen up. Or you're going to have to hate him. And most people, when they have a choice between hating others and hating themselves, they hate others. Most people, when they have a choice between hating others or hating themselves, they choose to hate others. Thomas Sowell talking about the rise of anti-Semitism in the world, very relevant to what's going on in world events right now because people get jealous when foreigners come to their nation and then do better than they do themselves. And of course, that has been the long story of the Jewish people. They have been successful. And let's continue with Thomas Sowell's line of thinking on this. Where does the hatred for the Jews come from in history? Number of places, but um, they are people who, 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 have met, who have succeeded an awful lot in the midst of other people who have not. Years ago, one uh, official of one of the Jewish organizations in New York asked me, well, what can Jews themselves do uh, in order to minimize the hostility they face? I gave him a one-word answer, fail. There it because is. as long as you succeed, you're going to be hated. So the source is su uh, success. It's not only the success, it's the success starting in poverty, as the Jews did in the United States and in, other, in many other countries. Uh, and so they, they, you, you not only see them succeed, you see them rise up. Uh, from, from the bottom, past other people, and the people they've passed don't like it. But there's also the fact that the role they play economically is, has never been understood. Uh, it's, it, you know, they're middlemen or they're moneylenders, and the argument is they really aren't producing anything. You can't see anything tangible that they, they don't stand at a production line turning out widgets. Uh, and so the argument is that they are, they're not producing anything, they're simply gratuitously inserting themselves between the producer and the consumer, and they're parasites, essentially. And that, and this, was the, that was the argument that Adolf Hitler made uh, in the run-up to the final solution, was that his anti-Semitism came from a misunderstanding of economics and hatred for the merchant class. And of course, socialism, national socialism being what the Nazi party were, their hatred of the Jews was envy of the Jews and a misunderstanding of how capitalism works. This argument has been made, again, not only by the Jews, but about similar groups around the world. And a number of places they have uh, expelled those people or forced them out by mob actions, forced them to flee. And after they left, the economy has collapsed. But it never teaches the lesson to know they were doing something. According to a history of the Jews. There it is. Uh, gotta say, gotta give it up for the man, Thomas Sowell. As usual, he nails it. Love it. Good stuff. What was today's show? Did you enjoy it? I'd love it if you'd click a like and subscribe before you leave if you did enjoy it. And check out our website at ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. Grab a bag of delicious founding flavors. Today's the day to try it. I know you've been tempted and you haven't done it yet. So now's your chance. Go and head out to ap4libertyshop.com. Remember, when you see the price, that's shipping included. 
right? Delivered to your front door. And if you buy more than one bag, then you, the savings add up. So use the bundles page in order to save the most amount of money if you want to buy more than one bag. Check it out. AP number four, AP for Liberty shop.com. It's a great way for you to get merchandise and support causes that you believe in. Stop drinking coffee from companies that hate you. I promise you that you're going to love this coffee. And if you don't, I'll buy it back from you. Okay. How's that for a deal? There you go. Nothing to lose. Everything to gain. Head to ap4libertyshop.com. That's AP, the number four, ap4libertyshop.com. And we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow's Freedom Family Friday. You know what that means. Smoking hot, redheaded, libertarian wifey Stephanie Peterson will be joining us tomorrow on the show. Don't you love him? Do it. Quest Fanning says he is a great show. There's my lovely wife over there as well. Nice to see you. We'll see you guys tomorrow with Stephanie here on the show on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com.